Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible Williams, and I'm your only host today as our lovely Rachel Myers is still away. But never fear, Micah Edmondson is here as our guest today. Micah is the pastor of CPC Koinonia, which is a cross-cultural Presbyterian church here in Nashville. And they actually just yesterday celebrated their first anniversary as a church here in Nashville. So congrats to the Koinonia family. Micah is married to Dr. Christina Edmondson. They have two daughters and they live here in Nashville. Listen, I have loved the book of Acts. And this conversation, you guys, I really believe that this is just the right note to end on. It's always bittersweet to come to the end of a book that we're reading together, especially one of these longer ones, like the six weeks that we've been in Acts. This is week six. But this conversation with Micah, I think, is just a sweet landing to this adventure that we've been on in the book of Acts together. So I believe that you're going to learn from this conversation. I believe it's going to bless you. So let's get right to it. Micah, welcome to the Sherry Truth Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. What a blessing to be here. Oh, I'm so glad. And we're going to make you bring your wife along next time. I would love to do that. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she is brilliant. Before we hit record, talking about that we are actually members of the same church family, in we a sense. We are. The broader t- we are obviously members of the Capital C Church That's family. right, yeah. That's, That's right. right yeah. But you pastor a campus of the church that I'm at, a different campus. Yeah, And yeah. so, but this is the first time we've met face-to-face, so I'm so glad you're here. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I'm grateful to be able to spend this time together. I know. Yeah, I- part of the Christ Presbyterian Church family. That's and- right, here. Here in Nashville, yeah, come visit y'all. Absolutely. Y'all come. That's yeah. what we say here in Nashville. <laughs> well, we have been, as you know, in the book of Acts, the He Reads Truth and She Reads Truth community, which yeah. you recently have been in the book of Acts as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're preaching right through the book of Acts at Christ Presbyterian Church. Yep. And it's been an amazing journey so far. I mean, it's not a boring book. No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) It is not. And I was just telling the team this morning as we were kind of setting up and preparing to record that I'm always a little bummed when we get to the end of a a study of a book because it's so sweet to read that together and read about these experiences. And as you know, I mean, Scripture is living and active. And so the next time I read Acts, it'll be the same truth, Mm -hmm. the same Word of God, but the Holy Spirit will have more things to teach us. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Apparently, there's always more to learn. There's always more to learn. Yeah. Especially when you're talking about Jesus, there's always more right? to learn. Amen. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that is our takeaway, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. It's like, we have not arrived. That's no one right. has arrived. That's there's right. always more to learn. Well, we are in week six. And mm-hmm. so last week, we ended a sort of a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Um, I was speaking with Glenn Packiam. He mm-hmm. was our guest last week. Mm-hmm. And we we leave off where Paul has been in front of the Sanhedrin. Right. And he, I mean, listen to this at the end of last week's reading, which falls in kind of the middle of chapter 23. Mm-hmm. So there's commotion. There's right. like violence. There's shouting. Mm-hmm. People are not 
pleased with what Paul has said right. in front of this very powerful group of people. Right. <laughs> and so the commander, it says in verse 10, when the dispute became violent, the commander feared that Paul might be torn apart right. by the crowd and ordered the troops to go down, take him away from them, and bring him into the barracks. So this, so he's, in a sense, he's imprisoned right now for his protection. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is a bit of a change for mm-hmm. Paul. Mm-hmm. This is remarkable. Verse 11, the following night, the Lord stood by him mm. and said, have courage. Mm. And essentially, my paraphrase here, we've got more work to do. Yeah, So that's exactly right. Have courage, buckle up. And that's where we left it. Yeah. We left with like this violent mob yeah. <laughs> and him having to be pulled away. Um, and then yeah. we had a casual weekend. Yeah, we had a casual weekend. <laughs> That's right. And then here we are in Acts twenty three. Would you be? Would you read for us, Micah? We love it when our guests read scripture. It's one of my favorite things to hear. Sounds great. Let's do that. When it was morning, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than forty who had formed this plot, and these men went to the chief priests and elders and said. We have bound ourselves under a solemn curse that we won't eat anything until we have killed Paul. So now you, along with the Sanhedrin, make a request to the commander that he bring him down to you as if you were going to investigate his case more thoroughly. But before he gets near, we are ready to kill him. But the son of Paul's sister, hearing about their ambush, came and entered the barracks and reported it to Paul. Paul called one of the centurions and said, take this young man to the commander because he has something to report to him. Let's talk about this for a minute. The Jews have formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under a curse not Mm. to eat or drink until they have killed Paul. Mm. So they are invoking like a something that we see in like Jewish law, like oaths are a big deal. Right, an oath. That's right. Right. Exactly right, yeah. But they're using that portion of God's law mm-hmm. actually for their own purposes. They are. That's Is that like, fair They're to using say? scripture against scripture. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. They're, yeah. Uh, they are misappropriating this religious ritual, and yeah. they're trying to involve God in their machinations to try to commit murder. Mm. And that is a terrible thing to do. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like we could talk for a while, but we'll keep going, about how We try not to just hop to application. That's not Mm. a thing that we like to do here Mm. because we want to. We want to read in the full context. Right. Right. But I mean, man, there is there is an application there for sure about just misusing scripture, weaponizing. That's exactly right. God's character and law. That's right. um, Against one another. That's exactly right. And for something other than His glory. That's exactly right. I mean, that's convicting and. And a bit painful, especially just, you know, we're in this this age of social media where everything is on display all the time. Right. And right. man, is it easy it is to get very discouraged easy. about how easily we do this to one another mm-hmm. Yeah, and how prevalent that is. It absolutely is. You know, yeah. it's interesting. This is something that Jesus encountered a lot in his oh, yeah. earthly You're ministry. Oh, yeah. You're totally right. Yep. The way in which people would weaponize scripture or tradition in order to try and, um, you know, just affect their own agenda. And oftentimes Jesus exposes that yeah. through the test of love. Mm, tell me more about that. Yeah, right. So you think about the way in which he dealt with the Sabbath, for instance, yeah. you know, and the traditions had been developed in such a way that really people were being unable, uh, restricted from human flourishing on the Sabbath. And Jesus had to actually point out 
how their application of the Sabbath kept people from being healed on the Sabbath, kept people from eating on the Sabbath, kept people from from being relieved on the Sabbath. And he basically had to say, hey, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. There it is. Yeah. Right. right? So um, they had used the Sabbath as this kind of tool Mm -hmm. um, that actually people became a means. People became a kind of an exploited means to be able to kind of you know, feed this system. And Jesus mm-hmm. had to say, hey, look, actually the law, the word of God, even the Sabbath itself is given for human flourishing and not mm-hmm. the reverse, right? Yeah. And so Jesus wouldn't let people be used that way. And he exposed the misuse of the law by pointing out the fact that these people wouldn't allow a man who had a shriveled hand to be healed right, on the right, Sabbath. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't allow his hungry disciples to pick grain on the Sabbath. And so it's always the love test that lets us know whether we have a right hermeneutic, whether we're yeah, not actually good. interpreting Scripture correctly. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's really helpful. Yeah. And it really is a lens that clarifies what they're doing it's right exactly here, right you know, here. And, exactly and, right. and what we do. <laughs> they're certainly not loving um, Paul. <laughs> no, they're not. And is this... so? I was struck by this in 16. I don't know that I've noticed this before. The son of Paul's sister. Right, his nephew. Yeah. I mean, where did she come from? How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he just happens to be in, I don't know, is that like, they would be local if he's heard of what yeah. what is happening. Anyway, I just find that. that I love details like that. Yeah. Well, it, it humanizes Paul right. for us. He is you know, he's, he's not just like, exactly right. He's yeah. a real person with a family and a sister right. and a nephew. And I think a lot of times we look at these folks like they're just sort of isolated, totally. you know, individuals that have nothing else around them. You right. Know? But uh, yeah. yeah. But here Our we Bible go. characters. We yeah. use that word yeah. sometimes and we yeah. don't mean, I don't think that we always mean it in a way where we're attempting to say that these are like fictional characters. Right. But right. that is kind of sometimes the effect that it has that we're like, oh, wait, this is history. Right. And I think this is a point where I'm missing my buddy, Rachel, who would love to be part of this conversation with us, but she likes to talk about how, and even as we've been reading Acts about, you know, like trying to just put our feet on the ground right. and be where this action is and how easy it is for us, even in what we just read at the end of last week's reading, that there was violence and shouting and all that to actually like, instead of just reading past that, to actually stop. Mm. And that's not hard for us to envision. Right. We can envision that. Right. You know, and it's something that that happens in our world. And so to stop and go, okay, this is, these are real people. This is really happening. Yeah. And this is a handful of years. I mean, how many years are we out now from when Jesus ascended? Oh my goodness. I don't know. It's, I don't it's know been either. A few. Yeah. But a, a, a bit, but yeah. not like we're not talking a hundred. We're talking. No, right. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're talking, talking double digits. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so, exactly. yeah. And so, just to remember that this is history. Yeah. And that this is in like our genre. The acts is church history. That's the genre of scripture. That's that exactly it is. right. That's and this exactly is, right. And if we're the church, this is our history. It is. And I would say even more than that, it's the history of Jesus himself, the risen yes. Lord. Yes. Because, you know, we remember that Acts is volume two of Luke. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. And Luke is a gospel, you know, of Jesus Christ. And so it's yes. it's really telling us about his earthly ministry. That's right. And volume two is telling us about Jesus's heavenly ministry, the way in which the risen ascended Christ continues to bring forth his promise to bring his kingdom through the church. Yes. And so this story, the entire book is not first and foremost about Paul. That's right. 
or even first and foremost about the church. It's first and foremost That's about good. Jesus. Yes. Yeah. And the way in which he is faithful to keep his promises. This promise that he makes at the end of the last passage. And it says that Paul has already preached the gospel at Jerusalem. And he says to Paul that it's necessary that you preach the gospel at Rome. Mm-hmm. And that's a really important promise because that's the promise that's going to carry Paul through all of these various ups and downs. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And just that story, you know, that this book is about Jesus. And it's something that we as a community, as we've been reading through, have been on kind of keeping our eyes open for certain themes, like some right. of the major themes like church right. history and like the spread of the gospel, but also the Holy Spirit. That's exactly right. And the right. presence That's and exactly power right. and activity of the Holy Spirit, right. which the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, so no less God <laughs> That's than right. Jesus, That's exactly which is, right. you know, it's mind-blowing. And so, yeah, yeah I yeah. love that. That was a good, good word. Well, so what happens here is we get Paul is essentially kind of starts this tour of trials. <laughs> he does. So he's, you know, finds himself in front of very powerful people. He does. Just one after the other. He does. And also under great threat. Like there are people who want to murder him. They are not like they're not making they're not being subtle about that. That's right. Yeah. And they're trying to do it. It's not as though they just have a a bad intent. They've actually taken action. They're putting this plot together to take him out. Yeah. And there are words like ambush that are used more than once. Absolutely. Like where and then those plans are thwarted because like you said, like God has other plans. That's exactly for Paul. Yeah. Um, and it feels like there's this part here in chapter twenty three where the commander writes a letter mm-hmm. to Felix, mm-hmm. who is the governor, the ruler, and and it just it reads like a movie plot. It does. Yeah. I mean, can't you just picture it? It's you know, here's this letter. Greetings. This is in verse twenty six. Mm-hmm. When this man, Paul, had been seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them, I arrived with my troops and rescued him because I learned that he is a Roman citizen, mm-hmm. which that matters. We've talked about that already. Like you can't, you know, Roman citizens have rights mm-hmm. in Rome. Yeah. Wanting to know the charge they were accusing him of, I brought him down before the Sanhedrin. I found out that the accusations were concerning questions of their law and that there was no charge that merited death or imprisonment. Mm -hmm. When I was informed that there was a plot against the man, I sent him to you right away. I also ordered his accusers to state their case against him in your presence. Mm. So, verse 31, so the soldiers took Paul during the night Mm -hmm. and brought him to hmm, another good word here, yeah, uh, there yeah, it is, Antipatris, yeah. as they were ordered. Mm-hmm. So this is just this kind of keeps happening where he finds himself taken from one powerful person right. to another. Right. Which, if his commission mm-hmm. is to be a bearer of the gospel and to spread the message of Jesus and the resurrection. Yeah. What better way to do that? That's exactly, it's exactly <laughs> right. And it's yeah. a, it's amazing how this also parallels the experience of Christ himself. Yes, in his trials, exactly yeah. Exactly right. Like Taking, legal trials. This legal trials. Yeah. Taken from one judgment hall to the next and yes. one powerful person to the next and them finding no no basis for charging him. Yep. Right? Um, that's yep. essentially what Pilate says about Jesus is that this is an issue of your Jewish law. There's nothing here against Roman law. And so they, and basically the chief priests and the scribes have to kind of convinced Pilate that this was really a threat to Rome. 
And yeah. so this is exactly what they're trying to kind of do to Paul as well. So it's interesting because Paul having the spirit of Christ in him uh-huh. and having the name of Christ upon him, the righteousness of Christ upon him is experiencing the same experiences that Christ himself had. Yeah. And that's amazing to yeah. see that happen. Yeah. You know, so. I love this passage that the team paired with today's reading, meaning mm. Monday's reading from Second Corinthians. Mm-hmm, yeah. Verse 8, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. And then this is what you just said, essentially. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. He is displaying Christ, not only through his circumstances, but also by the way that he is responding. That's exactly right. Because, I mean, Paul would have known how Jesus responded. Right. And would know, you know, if he's going to walk in the way, the capital W way of Jesus. Right what that would look like. Yeah. And we were speaking earlier as well about a theology of suffering. You yeah. did, you've done some work in that area yeah. and have a book on that that I am excited to read. Okay. Um, <laughs> but that, but Paul has already, although he is, in a sense, still a young believer, mm, yeah. but boy, is he getting his oh, yeah. credentials quickly. He is. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of experience. But he has a theology of suffering. Like these words that I just read, Paul wrote those. That's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And suffering in many forms, right? Suffering That's at right. the hands of his own people, yes. suffering at the hands of his own government, and suffering under the uh, kind of the burden of injustice. Yes. Because what you're going to see is that what we're going to see here is that Paul is a victim of, you know, a corrupt criminal justice system, essentially. Right. Yeah. I mean, from uh, Judgment Hall to Judgment Hall, he's he's really having to try to get the courts to do the right thing. And he's got to kind of convince mm. them. Sometimes he comes before leaders who are kind of favorably disposed. Sometimes he comes before leaders who aren't. Sometimes mm-hmm. he finds himself languishing in a situation where the leader has been pragmatic and decided that even though Paul is innocent, he's going to keep him in jail. Right. And so in order to appease some other group. And so Paul is a kind of a victim of corruption in the courts. And yet through it all, he's empowered to be this witness for Christ. And the Lord uses all of these circumstances to further the cause of the gospel. Yeah. Because you would just based on like, you know, if you just kind of put a timeline down of like, you know, how they they just kind of keep deferring the verdict and deferring the problem, him him being the problem and what to do with him. Yeah. It would almost seem like he's a pawn. He is. But we know that ultimately He's not at all. Exactly. Like he is the one that has the power because he is the one that, I mean, that we just read in chapter 23, the Lord appeared to him and said, have courage. That's right. You are also going to go and essentially preach the gospel gospel in Rome. Rome. That's exactly right. Like we're still going to do what we set out to do. Exactly. You're going to make it through this and I'm going to be with you all the way. That would have been a huge encouragement to the original audience of Acts. Yeah. Who would have been. um, So you remember this book is written to almost the most excellent Theophilus. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's way back in the beginning of the book. That's uh, how people refer to me sometimes. Is that right? No, not at all. (laughs) Most excellent. I'll start giving you this approach. Most excellent. (laughs) No. So, but this book book is written to a, you got to think at this time, Christians are a minority group, kind of marginalized within the Roman Empire, Mm -hmm. fledgling group of folks who don't have much social power at all. And so they would have found themselves in many 
instances really kind of without social power and kind of helpless at the whims of Rome and kind of the political machinations around the empire. Mm -hmm. And so seeing Paul go through this would have very much related to what they experienced, you know. Okay, yeah. Um, a lot yeah. of, I mean, we hear about stories about the Christians being given over to the lions and, yeah. you know, being thrown in prison and this, that, and the other. And so for them to see the way in which Jesus was with Paul would mm-hmm. have been a huge encouragement to them that the same Christ who would see Paul the Apostle through these various ups and downs, mm-hmm. when things look mm-hmm. good, when things look bad, mm-hmm. um, not only, you know, sort of moral evils, but also what we might call natural evils, because he's going to go through a uh, shipwreck, a storm at yes. sea, you know. So yeah. all of those forms of suffering, the Lord is faithful to be with his servant through those forms of suffering. And yeah. even though those sufferings aren't removed immediately. That's right. Yeah. The Lord is nevertheless with Paul to make sure that the gospel continues to go forward. And the same thing with the church, uh, yes. not just the early church, but also the church today. Yeah. yeah. Oh, amen. That's such a good word. And and some of the sufferings aren't removed at all. Like we know from his other writings, like I think about the thorn in the That's flesh, exactly which we right. don't really know what that That's is, exactly but it's some right. sort of physical ailment or, you know, something that he had that yeah. was difficult and caused suffering for Absolutely. him. And, Absolutely. And he asked the Lord to take it away and he didn't. That's right. That's and exactly I mean, you right. talk about that theology of suffering and that that is the same Paul, and even that very passage, you know, that's one that we turn to as modern day Bible readers and draw so much encouragement from that. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And and yeah, it just really does. One of the things that we love about being men and women in the Word of God every day yeah. is that it just keeps that lens, that kingdom lens in front of us through which to see the world, exactly. through which to see our own circumstances. Right. Um, Yeah, and so this reading Paul and understanding what he went through, but also how Jesus was mighty in him. Exactly. Exactly. It's both convicting and encouraging. It really is. It really is. It's so relatable. You know, I I just love how how relatable scripture is, how Me the Lord too. speaks yes. right to our experience, our lived experiences. That's right. You know, because uh, sometimes when we read the Bible, it's sort of like easy to kind of say, well, that's what happened to him way back when on the other side of the world. And yeah. he yeah, was yeah. an apostle, so his situation was very special and different. And mm-hmm. and he was super in and some way. And he was super like in some like, way yeah. and, and infallible in some way. Right. And, and to be honest with you, Jesus is the only, you know, infallible. That's you right. Know. <laughs> He's the only super. He's the only super. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it speaks to our situations of suffering in so many different ways, Uh you know, because even though we may not find ourselves in the same exact situation as Paul in the same way, we can all relate to what it's like to be betrayed. We can all relate to what it's like to feel scared. We can all relate to what it's like to think of our future as uncertain and not exactly know what's Mm going to happen. Mm -hmm. And for things to go from bad to worse to worse to worse Uh to say, I never thought I would be in this position and here I am. Some of us can relate to what it's like to be an oppressed minority and and have, you know, governmental or social oppression to go through natural, you know, sort of tragedies and unexpected calamities, you know, tornadoes and floods and all those kinds of things can happen and physical illnesses. And so to see Paul walk through all of these things and to see the Lord with him through all of these things really, as I said, gives us a real sense of of what we can expect Jesus to do for us in our situation. Mm. We can expect him to be the same faithful Jesus. That's right. In our situation. Yeah. You know. Paul's Jesus is our Jesus. That's right. Jesus is the same. Yes, yesterday, yesterday, today, forever. forever. Isn't that good news? Yes, it's that such is good amazing. news. Yeah. Such good news. I love 
I love scripture. And there are verses that I just think, man, thank you for putting that in there. <laughs> mm, <amen. laughs> you know, I love all of amen. scripture. And then, but that is that, that's Hebrews it's 11, 8 or something. It's, I don't know. Some, it's, it's in Hebrews that yeah. Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Love it. It um, is. So we, you know, on Tuesday, we're going to read Paul before Felix, mm-hmm. which is another powerful person mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that Paul stands before. It's let's the most see. excellent governor, Felix. That's right. Another most excellent. <laughs> another most excellent. And every time... I am astonished by both Paul's composure in these moments, but also his answers are not impersonal. Like they're very personal. They are. The things that he says. And I wonder if it takes them aback the way that it does me as Mm. I'm, as I'm reading, Mm. like, you know, this part we'll touch on. And then I want to, we want to get to our shipwreck because we've got, let's see, we've got Felix, we've got Agrippa. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get to Malta. Yeah. But when he's standing before Felix and he's like, listen, you can try to verify these claims. None mm. of this is true. Mm. But this that he says in chapter 24, will you read verses 14 through 21? Okay. Yeah. Where it starts where, but I admit this to you, mm-hmm. but I admit this to you. I worship the God of my ancestors according to the way, which they call a sect. Believing everything that is in accordance with the law and written in the prophets, I have a hope in God, which these men themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection, both of the righteous and the unrighteous. I always strive to have a clear conscience toward God and men. After many years, I came to bring charitable gifts and offerings to my people. While I was doing this, some Jews from Asia found me ritually purified in the temple without a crowd and without any uproar. It is they who ought to be here before you to bring charges. If they have anything against me or let these men here state what wrongdoing they have found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin. Other than this one statement, I shouted while standing among them. Today, I'm on trial before you concerning the resurrection of the dead. This one statement I shouted mm-hmm. while standing among them. Mm-hmm. The resurrection. This is what I'm about. This is what I'm about. This is what I'm about. Yeah, yeah. That would have been a politically fraught statement, not just a theologically full statement, but a politically fraught statement because you have the Pharisees and the Sadducees here. And Mm -hmm. remember, the Sadducees denied the resurrection from the dead. The Pharisees affirmed the resurrection of the dead, and they had colluded together against Paul. And so in mentioning the resurrection from the dead, he's in some ways pitting them against each other. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) In some ways, you know, so it is true. He is on trial for the resurrection of the dead, and Christ's resurrection does proclaim God's victory over the forces of evil, sin, and death. Um, It is also a calculated and wise statement for him to make at this point. Yeah. Yeah, to talk about the gospel in this way at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And what I want to say in this moment is, like, how wise, you know, Paul is, and like, man, that, that is a brilliant thing to do. Also. Again, pivoting to remember that this is Jesus and Paul. Like this is the Holy Spirit. That's exactly right. Who is giving him the words to say in the moment that he needs to say them. That's right. Standing up in Paul, speaking up through Paul. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right.
This episode is sponsored by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community, and they're offering our listeners a free trial premium membership because you are a human and you were born to create. Learn, express, and discover what you can make with online classes from Skillshare. There are so many fascinating classes on Skillshare on topics like graphic design, creative writing, even web design. There's one that sounds super fun to me called Storytelling 101. It talks about character, conflict, context, and craft. Whether you're a dabbler or a pro, a hobbyist or a master, you are creative. That's why Skillshare has classes for every skill level. With short lessons, hands-on projects, and classes designed for real life, you can tap into the creativity we all have inside. Skillshare helps you move your creative journey forward without putting life on hold. You'll create real projects and get the support of fellow creatives so you can accomplish real growth. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash SheReadsTruth, where our listeners get a one-month free trial of premium membership. That's one month free at Skillshare.com slash SheReadsTruth. In chapter 25, um, which will be in kind of midweek, he has this opportunity to speak to King Agrippa. Yes. And Bernice. I guess Bernice is... I don't know if that's his wife. Who would Bernice be? Yeah, yep, I'm sure he is. Because yep. it just always says she's always with him. So yep, yep, King Agrippa mm-hmm. and Bernice. And Bernice is his wife. Um, I love that she can just be known by a first name. Yeah, that's great. That's pretty great. It's a great name, too. It is a good name. <laughs> it is a good name. And he gets this, you know, because back in his, when we read about Paul's conversion experience on the road to Damascus, there's this moment where you know, Jesus says, like, he is my, Paul is my chosen instrument. Right. Right? And it's, let's see, it's Acts 9, 15. I'll actually just read it for us. It Mm. says, verse 15, this is back in chapter 9. But the Lord said to him, go, for this man, Paul, is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. Yes. And then he also says, I will show him how he must suffer for my name. But he says, you know, the Lord says about Paul, he is going to bear my name before kings. That's exactly And that's what we see happening. That's exactly what we see. That's That's what we see happening. And I (laughs) I love it when he has that opportunity to stand before them. It says, and this is back in chapter 25 now, verse 23. So the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp yeah, right. and entered the auditorium <laughs> right. with the military commanders and prominent men of the city. Exactly. And then Festus commands for Paul to be brought in mm-hmm. before the king. Mm-hmm. And so, again, just a who's who of prominent people. Yes. And here comes Paul. Here comes Paul. That's yeah. exactly right. And all of these things. It's interesting. It's, you know, so none of these people would have known that they were fulfilling the words of Jesus. <laughs> right. <laughs> they would have all been thinking about the pomp and circumstance of Rome and uh-huh. of them, you know, all, all kinds of the political machinations of that day. And that, their own power. Their own power, and how all the things. Is, is Paul a threat to that? Uh, exactly yeah. right. That's what their minds would have been on. And perhaps to the onlooking world, that's what they would have been concerned about. Yeah. But yet there's this greater plan happening and being fulfilled even through all of these things. Yeah. You know, and Paul was kind of let in on the greater plan. 
Yep. You know, and as uh, I think as believers, we have been let in on the greater plan. Yeah, we we kind of know, you know, we kind of know the story above the story, mm-hmm. you know, above all stories. The big right. story that makes capital a claim. S it's capital story. S. The yeah. big story that makes a claim on all these, men, you know, other stories. So That's good. That's yeah. a good way to put it. The big story that makes a claim on all of our, because even our own stories, you know, and that's something that we were talking about, the human condition, like that we want, I just think in my experience, I want to be a part of something bigger. Like mm. that's something that in not, you know, in small ways and in big ways, it's like we like to matter. Mm. And um, and that's a God-given longing Absolutely. to be part of that capital S story. Absolutely. Um, and that yeah. that's what Jesus invites us into. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It helps us to see our sufferings in a whole different kind of way. It does. When, when you know your suffering is not meaningless. That's right. And it's not isolated, but it's actually connected to the big story of Christ himself. Yeah. When you know that. And, you know, Scripture talks about knowing him in the fellowship of his sufferings, that word fellowship, which lets us know that my sufferings are not meaningless. They matter because they're connected to his sufferings. Yeah. Yeah. There's an Elizabeth Elliot book. I think it may have been one that was like a posthumous I think it's called Suffering is Never for Nothing. Mm. And mm. I just even just the title. Yeah. I'm like, thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's what scripture teaches. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I that's mean, so a, a God who would keep count of our tears yes. in a bottle. Like, that's exactly that's, right. You know, that's what the Psalms say. And yeah. so there's no way then that our suffering doesn't matter to God. Like that's the exactly ultimate right. mattering. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. And Paul lists that out and he comes to the conclusion and he goes through the various lists about, you know, famine and hardships yeah. and trouble and sword and all these different things. And he comes to the conclusion that nothing can separate us from the love of God right. in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, I love how he is standing. Here he is standing before Agrippa and Bernice and all of yeah. these other people. And Agrippa says, you can speak. You can speak for yourself. And part of what he does time and time again, and we see him do it here, is that Paul tells his story. He does. He yeah. tells his rescue story. He does, yeah. And with that audience, with those powerful people as his his captive audience. In verse 6, he says, And now I stand on trial because of the hope in what God promised to our ancestors, the promise our 12 tribes hope to reach as they earnestly serve him night and day. Mm. King Agrippa, I am being accused by the Jews because of this hope. Yeah, yeah, that is amazing. (laughs) Isn't it? That's amazing. And then he tells us, you know, a few verses later, I was traveling to Damascus. Mm Mm-hmm. And here's what happened. Yeah, yeah. That, just, that's amazing. Our stories matter, y'all. They, they do. just do. They do. Because Jesus is in them. Yeah. And he is writing our stories and taking, you know, our stories. Like, how did you put it, Micah? The story has a claim on our oh, stories. On our stories, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, There's uh, something freeing about that. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I would like to point out this. It's interesting Please the way do. in which Paul could have distanced himself from his fellow Jews at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would make sense. That would make they've sense. They've been after him. Because they've been out. They've been trying to murder and him. That's right. And they're the ones bringing these accusations. Absolutely. Yeah. And yet, he tells Agrippa that he was also a Pharisee. That's right. Yeah, he does. <laughs> these very people are trying to kill me. Yep. I lived as one of them. Yep. I'm no better than them. I'm no different than them. That's so good. And yeah. then he talks about the hope. And then, actually, he sort of advocates for the Jewish people. 
that yeah. Agrippa is serving. I mean, he's talking about, look, this is the hope that these people are laboring day and night for. They earnestly seek to serve him. The promise of our 12 tribes hope to reach as they earnestly serve him night and day. Yeah. And so he's actually advocating for not just, he's advocating for his people, his ethnic group of people to be treated with respect and dignity. And he's saying, you know, even the folks that don't realize that they're seeking for this hope, this is a hope that the scriptures point toward. And so he's actually kind of humanizing his enemies at this point. Yeah. He's advocating. That's such good context. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. So he tells the story that he's now told a few times in the book of Acts. He does. Of his salvation. Yeah. There's just so many. I mean, you guys are going to love reading through this. We won't read all of it. But I'm just kind of scanning through. We've got verse 22. To this very day, mm. I have had help from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I stand and testify to both small and great, saying nothing other than what the prophets and Moses said would take place. He's like, I'm actually agreeing with the scriptures. Right. Like, I'm not teaching anything contrary. Right. To right. the scriptures. Right. That verse 23, that the Messiah would suffer and that as the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to our people and to, to the, the Gentiles. Gentiles. Yeah. The gospel yeah. is for everyone. For everybody. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. I love it that, um, and he's wanting to make the case that the mm-hmm. way of Christ, it's not something that's unbiblical, that this is the fulfillment of all that the scriptures have foretold. And really the claim is being made that if you really understood the scriptures, Mm. you know, and it's the same thing that Jesus himself said to the people during his earthly ministry, that that if they really understood the scriptures, they would recognize him for who he was. Right. The prophets are teaching about me. Exactly right. They were talking about me. Exactly (laughs) right. And that's essentially what Paul is saying. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That... You know, he's sort of saying, he's sort of out-Jewishing the Jews. He's, he's sort of saying, <laughs> he's sort of saying yeah. you know, I am the one that's actually consistent with what the Old Testament is proclaiming. Yeah. Here, you know, yeah. So it just, I think it makes the case that we just need to be students of our Bibles and go back and Amen. really, yeah, study them. Amen. So, yeah. And he has this moment, y'all are just going to just read it. You're going to love it. Where he calls out Agrippa and says, like, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Like, I know you believe the prophets. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I wish before God, this is Paul talking, that whether easily or with difficulty, not only you, but all who listen to me today Mm. might become as I am, except for these chains. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't even wish my chains upon you. I just wish this hope for you. I want you to know this. Yeah. This hope of the resurrection. Wow. Oh, man. Y'all are going to love it. And he says, Vestas tells Paul that he's out of his mind. It's good reading. Mm. It's good reading. But speaking of good reading, we have a shipwreck. Yes, we do. In the book of Acts. How about that? And it's one of, I mean, it's one of my favorite stories in the book. Mm. There's so many, I mean, as you read about the, you know, you'll read about this. They're supposed to be headed to Italy, right? Mm, Right. To Rome. And the weather is not great the whole time. That gets right. problematic. But it's very, like, Paul's posture in this is mm-hmm. very, again, reminiscent of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, we, we have stories in the Gospels of Jesus in a boat, and there's a storm, and the disciples are like, are you paying attention? Right. <laughs> Do you see what's happening? And yeah. Jesus is like, you know, calm down. Yeah, like, that's Do right. you have, Do you have any faith here? 
And Paul, in his own way, is saying this, too. Talk to us about this story, Micah. You shared that you have an affection for this story, too. I do. I do. I just think this is such an amazing story. Um, In some ways, I guess, you know, I guess it reminds me of the story of Jonah, actually. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. um, Yeah. um, Where basically, you know, again, you have this huge storm. Yeah. And the storm is on an agenda, right? The storm is meant to get the messenger to... The Gentiles, right? Uh, in this case, Jonah is fleeing from. Nin- he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. That's right. It's going the other. Going He's the going wrong the other way. way. <laughs> it's going to Tarshish. Yeah. <laughs> and the Lord uh, sends this storm in order to get Jonah to these people that he loves, these Gentiles yeah. that he loves, that Jonah does not love, that Jonah does no. not want to hear the gospel. He's not a fan. But God is determined that this gospel is going to go to them. And so we have a situation here in which God is determined that the gospel is going to get to Malta, that the gospel is going to get to these people. Yeah. He loves these people. Yeah. And so he's going to make sure that he brings this apostolic witness to them. Yes. Right. And, yeah. uh, and works through this, all of this series of events to get him there. Yeah. 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 And when they get there... They stay a bit, right? They like do. they stay a while. They do, yeah. And first of all, they're greeted. Like, let's, um, you know, don't miss the storm story. Everybody read the storm story mm-hmm. in Acts 27. Mm-hmm. But in chapter 28, you know, they do eventually reach shore. And they are safe. Mm-hmm. And Paul yeah. tells them they will be, that mm-hmm. none of them will be lost. And they right. aren't. Let's read a little bit of this because it's such a neat story. Yeah. I'll start us in verse one. Once safely ashore... We learned that the island was called Malta. The local people showed us extraordinary kindness. They lit a fire and took us all in since it was raining and cold. I mean, that'll preach on its own. Yeah. (laughs) As Paul gathered a bundle of brushwood and put it on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. So they're still trying to figure out, like, who are these people? I mean, we're being kind to them, but we don't know who they are. When the local people saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to one another, this man no doubt is a murderer. Even though he has escaped the sea, justice, with a capital J, has not allowed him to live. Mm. But... Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no harm. Mm -hmm. They expected that he would begin to swell up or suddenly drop dead. After they waited a long time and saw nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they go from one extreme to the other, right? Right, They do. Trying Mm -hmm. to figure him out. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. (laughs) So here again, God is in a powerful way really preserving the witness of the gospel through these things that would otherwise destroy it. So you have mm. this this storm that sort of threatened Paul's life, and yeah. the Lord carries him through that. Yeah. And then he gets there safely, and then all of a sudden you've got this snake. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the first time a snake tried. Yeah, right. exactly right, to try <laughs> to destroy the gospel. That's right. And the Lord preserves Paul's life through that. And through that, knowing that this will give him a platform That's right. by which to declare the reign of the one true God. Yeah, they're paying attention now. They are. Yeah. They are. And and it's communicating to them in a way in which they would have understood. Yeah. Right? Because they had some expectations about... You know, this man is going to die. We've, you know, maybe they've seen other people swell up and die, you know, based on having been bitten by a snake. And when that doesn't happen to Paul, they're like, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. there's a, there's a power here at work that is supernatural. They don't understand it or know who the true God is. And Paul's going to, going to share that with them, but yeah. but certainly he's got their attention. Yeah. 
and he heals a man who was who had a fever, a fever and dysentery. That's exactly right. Um, the father of the man who I think they stayed with, mm-hmm. and Paul went to him and prayed and laid hands on him and yeah. healed him. Yeah. And then in verse nine, after this, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. Mm-hmm. Lots of gospel tones there too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, so they heaped many honors on us. Yeah. And when we sailed, they gave us what we needed. Okay, so they weren't there very long. Mm-mm. I'm thinking of not there. Okay, it feels like God went to a lot of trouble. Yeah. To get them to this little island that they yeah. didn't know the name of till they crashed on it, right, right, <laughs> for a handful of days. And you said just a minute ago, you said God loved these people. He does, yeah. And I think that is, I don't know. I just I love this story for a lot of reasons. I like thinking about the hospitality they were showed. I mm. like the analogy of the very real storm that they were in and, you know, all of that. But I don't think that I had thought about God's pursuit of the people on that island in that way. Yeah, yeah. This forgotten island. This forgotten island, yeah. But but, they're not. But known by God. And so much so that, again, he sends an apostle to them Mm -hmm. and works these miracles among them in a powerful way. And the kind of miracles, I mean, you know, certainly folks who are reading. So, you know, when we think about the snake, we think about Genesis chapter yeah. three, right? Yeah. We, we think about the promise that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, That's that, right. that yep. the seed of the woman's power will be such that it will be greater than the power of the serpent. And so in a real way, God gives them that witness that, yeah. that the power at work through this man is greater than the power of the serpent. Yeah, And um, not just the physical serpent, also the results of sin in the world, the sickness in this world. The God is at work through Paul is working to turn back sickness Mm -hmm. and disease. And that's exactly what Jesus himself did. Yeah. You know, when he came and proclaimed the kingdom of God. And so these are the things that were the the signs of the incoming and inbreaking of God's kingdom. Yes. Yeah. Of his making right all that sin made wrong. Yeah. And so we see this witness happening among these people at Malta and in such a wonderful, powerful way. But God loved these people greatly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so. And what really is mind blowing to me, Micah, is when I think that, you know, we have been given the record that we have in Scripture on purpose and it's complete and full and true. Like, I believe that also. These are real people, and we don't have a record of what happens to them after this, but they are now witnesses. They are. And so, you know, how did the Holy Spirit work through them to continue? Like you said, like this is not the Paul show. I mean, it's easy to think about it that way, (laughs) right? but this is not first and foremost about Paul. This is about Jesus. That's exactly right. It's about Paul. It's about the church. It's about Jesus. Yes, yes. It's about Jesus at work through yeah. his spirit and his gospel and through his church. And, you know, his, having his eye not just on these people, but perhaps on their children and their children's children and That's their children right. and the generations after them That's as right. well. Yeah. That's right. And yeah. that those, you know, if we do what we learn to do in like the Old Testament and mm-hmm. Deuteronomy and mm-hmm. to like to remember and to mm-hmm. tell, you know, that the law, that God's law is to be, you know, written on our forehead That's and we exactly. tell them to our children. Yes, exactly and if we right. do 
what Jesus says, and he's saying, you're going to be my witnesses. Right. Like then, you know, many, many generations down the line, mm-hmm. they're still telling this story. That's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. I love the scripture attached to this, the kind yeah. of cross reference here attached to this story is Mark 16, 17 through 18. Mm-hmm. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues and they will pick up snakes. All right. Yeah. And so this is an exact. And the thing about a sign rather than just a miracle, is that a sign specifically points to the gospel. Okay. Right? It specifically points to the power of God at work to save. That's what makes a sign distinct from just... The scripture sometimes talks about signs and wonders. That's right, yeah. So wonders are things that make us stop and take notice. Yeah. They're things that make us recognize that supernatural power is at work. Yeah, it makes me think of the word awe, like A-W-E. Exactly right. That's exactly what it's meant to do. It's meant to create awe. So it has the kind of the power to kind of stop you in your tracks, to get you to pay attention. Mm -hmm. But a sign has the power of instruction. The sign communicates, it points to something else. It says, this is what you can expect to see at work in the kingdom of God. Okay. Right? This is the kind of, there's a power over the serpent. There's power over the things that sin brings in this world, sickness Mm -hmm. and disease. So these signs are signs that are pointing to Jesus and his kingdom specifically. So again, it's not merely that that there are miracles taking place, but Mm -hmm. it's miracles on the agenda of the kingdom. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Right. Almost like I'm thinking out loud, like as signposts. That's exactly you know, like actual arrows, (laughs) (laughs) just pointing back to to something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When when I drive up I-65 North, and then eventually I get on I-69, going up toward Michigan. Our family and I lived in Grand Rapids for 11 years, and right when you start to go into Michigan, there's a big blue sign. That says, welcome to pure Michigan. Yeah. Hashtag pure Michigan. Hashtag pure Michigan. And and that M is a blue wave. Uh It looks like a blue wave. Uh And the reason that it's there is because the Michigan is the home of the Great Lakes. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of the largest freshwater system in the world and that kind of thing. And so that sign is meant to say not only that you're in Michigan, but this is what you can expect in Michigan. You can expect to see the Great Lakes. This is the kind of geography of the land. This is what you can expect. And so when a sign happens in the Bible, it's saying, you know, this is what you can expect to see in the kingdom. This is the kind of thing God is doing. God is turning back the effects of sin in the world. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Praise God. I love that. Thank you for sharing that with us because that is such a vivid illustration and such a comfort, Yeah, you know, and joy that this is what the kingdom of God is. Yeah. Well, our buddy Paul finally gets to Rome. Finally, in (laughs) fulfillment of God's promise. Amen. Jesus did it. He got Paul to Rome. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. And so we came to Rome, it says in in chapter 28. You know, chapter 28 is, is not a long chapter. It's pretty short, and it can feel a little bit like... An abrupt stop mm-hmm. to this, you know, ongoing narrative that we've been reading, right. um, this record of Paul's journeys. Right. But he he's in Rome. He's under house arrest, yeah. which, if I understand correctly, is he's not free, but he does have some freedom. Exactly. Yeah. And he uses that freedom to bring people in and tell them about Jesus. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Yes, with all boldness and without hindrance. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, that's the very last that's the very last that's, verse that's you just it. read. That's it. And it says, 
Many came to him at his lodging from dawn till dusk. He expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. And he tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. And he, you know, quotes Isaiah like a champ. Just loving Paul knows his Bible, y'all. He knows his Bible, Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I love this, verse 30, right above where you read, Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the CSB <laughs> just makes me happy. Yeah. Like the way that it phrases things, he stayed two whole years in his, his own, own rented, rented house, house. Yeah. and he welcomed all who visited him, yeah. proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, that's, so that's good. That's wonderful. Look at the testimony of love that accompanied the gospel proclamation, and he welcomed all who visited him. That's we, good, We yeah. know that there are people who visited him that did not come to faith. Yeah, yeah. It tells us that. But Paul nevertheless welcomed them. Yeah. He loved them. That is a word for 2021. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. I think if there's some, and I've said it on the podcast before, and but it's just something that is so disheartening to me. And I'm not just looking out around me, but in my own heart yeah. at how quick we are to dismiss and withhold the love of Jesus from those who don't agree with what we're saying. Right. Breaks my heart and also convicts my heart yeah. because I do it too. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I love that. I love that you pointed that out. Now we, it's not in scripture, but it's widely accepted and known that Paul will die in Rome. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah that's right. And we have, because he wrote a lot of the New Testament. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have some of his writings from toward the end of his life. Yeah. Um, and we have a couple verses of that paired with this last reading yeah. from the book of Acts from 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. Would you read that for us? It's sure. kind of our benediction. Absolutely. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. As Lord of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to Micah, God. Micah, thank you. Is there anything we need to, as you pastor us out of the book of Acts, is no. there anything that we, that you want to say or? You know, I just think the scripture has said so much already. Right. You are my kind of guy. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's true though. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Well, a tradition that we have here at the She Reads Truth podcast is that we spend an hour looking at the beauty, goodness, and truth that we find in Scripture. Mm. And goodness, you've helped us see a lot of that today. Thank you. And then we like to ask our guests, where are you in just your everyday life? Where are you seeing beauty, goodness, and or truth that's mm. pointing you to Jesus? Oh, wow. I know it's a good question, that's right? That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. So as we all weather this pandemic, mm-hmm. seven over 700,000 people just mm. in the United States have died of this pandemic. Yeah. And um, I think all of us are walking through just a season of suffering at some level, because yeah. whether or not you have personally We've all been impacted in some way, whether or not you've had COVID-19 or you 
know someone who's died or you know someone who knows someone. We're all connected in some way. And I've just seen the Lord. I've seen his gospel continue to go forward and flourish. And I've seen people know Jesus in a way and at a depth that they would not have known them if they Mm -hmm. had not been going through something like this. You know, it's sort of like, so there's a famous kind of saying that says, oaks grow strongest in contrary winds, you know. Oh, I've never heard yeah, of this. Yeah, oaks grow strongest in contrary winds. There was a, um, a study done at the University of Arizona where they did like a, what they considered, it was a biodome where basically they had what they considered to be like the kind of ideal conditions for plant life and animal life in this kind of isolated okay. kind of biodome. That's cool. Artificially created, you know, thing. Yeah. And they found that although the animals flourished and although the people that spent time there, they did well, the trees would not mature. Huh. The trees would not mature. That's interesting. And they didn't know why. The trees would grow to a certain length and then they would fall over. And they wondered why. And they found out that the reason that the trees would not mature was because the trees need wind. I had no idea. The trees, the trees need wind. wind. They need wind in order for their roots to grow deep. They need contrary oh, winds in order for their yeah. roots to grow deep. And I believe the Christian life is like that. Yeah. There's a sense in which the Lord has created us to endure contrary winds. And it's in the face of those contrary winds that our roots grow deep. Yeah. That we yeah. know Jesus in the fellowship of his sufferings. That we find ourselves praying in ways that we would have otherwise never pray, that we pray with a kind of urgency and desperation, and we trust in his promises in a way that we otherwise would not have. Mm-hmm. And and I think part of the reason why Paul had the kind of level of faith that he had was because the Lord allowed him to go through these things and showed himself faithful through all these mm-hmm. circumstances. That's right. So I think I've seen the sweetness of Jesus uniquely displayed even in a pandemic. And it's not to say that the pandemic, I want to be careful to say, it's not to say that the pandemic is good. The yeah. pandemic in and of itself is not good. Yeah. Suffering in and of itself is not good. But it does provide an opportunity for us to see how good God is. Yeah. It's the greater story that has claim to... On, on every other story. Yeah, it's yeah. good. That's good. Micah, thank you so much. Thanks for having for me. For your time. Friends, come back next week. We're going to start a short two-week reading plan next week called One Another. It's a biblical study of Christian community. And we're going to look at a lot of the one another statements in Scripture. And we're going to study those to see what we can learn about living in community with each other. So I am super excited about this plan. And our first guest for that plan next week is going to be Dr. Allison Cook. And so I can't wait. I think we have a lot to learn from her and from the scripture. So join us until next week. Micah, what do we say? Keep opening your Bibles. Bibles.